this is the fear of science. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to The Fear of Science, the podcast that dives into the wide world of science and science-adjacent topics to demystify, debunk, and delight. Each show features a different fear, along with special guests, surprises, and discoveries along the way. My name is Daniel Chai. And I'm Jeff Porter. And today we are very honored to be joined by a very special guest. Our special guest is a little person He's a rock drummer who has toured the world and has worked in Hollywood on TV and films. He is also a dedicated surfer and a great podcaster. His podcast is called I'm Kind of a Big Deal, which features interviews with little people who tell their stories. Please welcome to the Fear of Science, Christoph Zajac Denick. Hey, thank you so much. Man, you nailed my name. Thank you. That was perfect. <laughs> it's you're, a pleasure you're very to be here. I, uh, uh, I'm very glad that we had a chance to connect before this recording. I literally wrote it out phonetically to make sure <laughs> that I got That's why it. I always give Daniel the hard words. You should, He's so much better at them than I am. You should put your phonetic spelling in the show notes to, to show everyone that you wrote <laughs> Uh, now, uh, uh, Christoph, uh, you know, uh, very glad that you are able to join us uh, in our virtual studio. Um, we, you know, during this uh, this time, we are recording this during a pandemic, um, so we're glad to be able to have the technology to connect with you uh, for this episode. But if I may say, before we get started, uh, it looks like uh, your your audio is coming in a little bit rustic. <laughs> I'm a little bit rustic. Is there is there a reason why? Uh, yeah, that's that's because of the floors. Um, that's because there there isn't a consistent floor in my cabin at the moment. Oh, um, oh, oh you're in a cabin. What? I'm in a cabin. Yeah, I'm in the forest on a mountaintop uh, in Southern California at the moment, living among, uh, and this is true, bears. What? Um, I was I was doing I was doing a pod I was recording a podcast uh, on another show a couple of weeks ago and there was uh, my neighbor estimated a three year old bear on my porch uh, just directly out of my window so if I suddenly jump and it's not because I'm putting wood on the fire it's uh, because there's a bear outside my window um, that is a good way to keep COVID away. Just have bear guards around your house. Very social distancing. (laughs) Uh, I will say also, uh, Christoph, you are our first guest to be coming to us live from a cabin in a forest on a mountain. Uh, (laughs) I'm very impressed. So Honored. Absolutely. Setting the bar, you know? That's what I like to do. (laughs) Um, Speaking of first, uh, so this episode, we're talking about uh, fear of little people, and you're actually the first little person I've ever met. Awesome. Uh, are you afraid? No, not at all. <laughs> so th- that's our first question as well. Are people actually afraid of little people? Um, and now there is an actual phobia name for it, and I'm going to mess it up. This is why I get Daniel to do the really uh, complicated words. Phonetics. Acheoplastia phobia. I think that was something close. I, I didn't know the technical term. Um, I've just experienced it in my life. And hmm. 
dang, it is sad that there is an actual term for the fear of some type of people. Uh, are there are there terms for um, different races and and different yeah. sexual orientations? Are there? I you know I don't think so. That because that, that's the thing is it's messed up that there's a term around it. Because um, yeah, like if you are afraid of black people, that's called racism. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. And they also have a really douchey uh, title um, for the phobia as well, called lollipop gildophobia. Yeah, that's uh, that makes me really sad. Actually, that's yeah. that's that's just a man. This is why I maybe sometimes sound a little fired up uh, now and again because it's so prevalent in our society and um and i and i i took it for granted and i tried to ignore it for so long and just not pay attention to it and think oh you know that's that person is irrational or they're drunk or they're high or they're just you know there's something messed up and wrong with them but i i haven't gotten into so much of what the fear is and what you know the actual phobia is for people who can't even be around us. I interviewed on my show a woman who is a waitress at a restaurant in Las Vegas, and she has had accounts of people who won't sit in the restaurant when she is working. Yeah. Because she is little. She's four feet tall. And that just, that's, that boggles my mind. And it's so sad too, because they're missing out on getting to know or having an experience with a wonderful person, just yeah, someone exactly. who like who just lights up the room and is beautiful and is energetic and, and incredible to be around. So that, that fires me up. But like I talk about on my show that, and other people's shows like yours, <laughs> that, you know, this, this stems from a misunderstanding in my, this, mm-hmm. a phobia, I, to get to that level, it's just you know, so much that's piled on top of this misunderstanding that you don't get to dig out and actually figure out what, what you're afraid of or why you never had an experience with someone who was different. And that, that can really be just an easy experience, you know, because kids deal with it every single day in a beautiful Mm -hmm. way, if you just let them. And Mm -hmm. if they, if they, if they, don't have the opportunity or they're trained to prejudge, then all that stuff can start to start to pile up and turn into phobias, I guess. I mean, dang. Right. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Christoph. Now I would, um, I, uh, I, I definitely want to explore more of this cause I think it's really, uh, really important conversation to, to have. Um, but I also would like our, our guests to know a little bit more about you and uh, uh, our, you know, speaking of uh, wonderful people have a great experience with and with a person who lights up the room, I can already tell that you are that sort of person. Oh. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, uh, can you tell us a little bit about your background? Um, so we're, you know, uh, uh, SLA person, you know, uh, were you... You know, is there different types of of uh, being born a little person? Are there different types of little people? Um, you know, at what age do you, you know, at what age does it get you know diagnosed? Is the word diagnosed the right word? 
And, uh, you know, and at, at one point, you know, did you discover for yourself, you know, what, what you were, you know, that you were a little person? Yeah. Can you share with us a little bit about your background? Yeah. So I was born in Detroit, Michigan, and the doctors knew right away that I was different and had some sort of skeletal dysplasia, some sort of dwarfism. They didn't know what I was or what exactly my condition was right away, but the doctor did have the balls to come in and tell my mom that I will never run. I'll never ride a bicycle. I'll never be physically active. I'll never, you know, live a normal life. And my mom holding me on my first day of life is like, this is insane. I can't believe you're telling me this about my son on, you know, I just gave birth to him and you know, the audacity of of people like that, I guess is, I guess that's fear, right? That, that you have to spell it out. My parents didn't accept that. And they, not only did they find the best care for me and a specialist in Baltimore, Maryland, they eventually gave me the diagnosis of cartilage hair hypoplasia, which is a type of dwarfism. There are over 200 different types of dwarfism. Achondroplasia is the most common. Um, You know, Wee Man, Peter Dinklage, those are examples of uh, more famous people that have achondroplasia. Um, But I talk about dwarfism being a mixed bag. And, Mm. you know, just because you have, you know, a specific condition doesn't mean anything. You know, I know people who have had zero surgeries and operations in their lives and they've ha- they haven't had to seek out medical care. I've had three reconstructive skeletal operations. Other people wow. I know have had 11, you know, and wow. it's, wow. yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, such a different existence. Um, and then on top of that, you have all the social issues. So, When I was growing up, I started to see the specialist when I was two, and he projected uh, or estimated that I would need to have an operation at six years old for my legs. Um, There were some issues. My legs were bowing, and he actually made non-unions in the fibulas so that the bones wouldn't grow as fat, wouldn't grow faster than the tibias. The tibia is the weight-bearing bone. The fibula is the non-weight-bearing bone that uh, helps create the joints in your knee and your ankle. Um, And so to this day, my bones, my fibulas are not connected. If you look at an x-ray, there's a gap in my second bone in my legs. Yes. Um, And so, you know, this doctor knew to take care of that. But before I had that operation, I was going to the beach. I was riding bikes. I was getting mm-hmm. dirty in the mud. I was being a normal three, four, five, six year old. And then I had to go under the knife and in a full body cast for three months wow. and, you know, have that, have that procedure just to help me not be crippled. Because if wow. I would have kept growing with the way that my bones were, were going, I, I was going to have significant difficulties with mobility. So, um, you know, I had to have these operations and another topic that I always bring up on my show is that little people ironically have to grow up before everyone else around them. And, you know, I've, I'm starting to liken my, my visits to the, the 
specialist for dwarfism to being in a business meeting for your health at four years old, because you have extensive, you know, I visit this doctor twice a year and you have extensive x-rays taken. And then, you know, he puts the x-rays up and you're in a dark room and a couple other doctors come in and consult and talk and write and scratch. And like, we're there for a long period of time and they're, you know, making decisions and thinking and stuff. And like, you're four, five, six years old. Like you're not playing out in the world. You're anticipating a major life altering surgery. I guess there's no way to really sugarcoat that either as a doctor. Like you kind of have to be upfront about what's about to happen to this four year old kid. And honestly, that's the best, in my opinion, that's the best way to be. My parents never sugarcoated anything. In fact, Mm -hmm. my mom talks about a moment where I told her at six years old, Hey, I don't think I want to have the surgery. And my mom, my mom told me that she plainly like an adult spelled out why I needed the surgery. You know, it wasn't wasn't like, well, if you want to walk up to the candy store, you're going to have to have, it's like, no, if you want to have mobility for the rest of your life, we're going to have to do this and I don't like it either, but it's something that in life we have to do. Now, um, were your, um, so was your mom, you know, uh, always very supportive and also always very, um, direct with you about what was happening? Cause you know, I can't imagine, I think when I was, you know, when I was six, I was learning to read and, you know, um, learning which, which uh, station at the, you know, at my school, you know, had the best toys, not (laughs) needing to learn, you know, oh, I need reconstructive leg surgery that that just, you know, so uh, yeah, thank you for for sharing that. But but were your was your mom always very open and direct with you about what was going on? Yes. And also I was a champion at finding out which station had the best toys as well. Trust me. We were on, we were probably at the same stations, my man. Yeah. Um, yeah. Both parents. I, I, I cannot, I could never ask for a better support group and not only my parents, you know, who made the drive multiple times a year to go to Baltimore, Maryland from Detroit you know, wintertime in terrible snowstorms, summertime when it's sweltering hot and humid, you know, whenever it needed to happen is when it happened. And, and we did it. And I mean, all of the school kids were so supportive. I, I was back in at my mom's house a couple of years ago and going through some old uh, memories and, and found just piles of cards from when I had my surgery at six and at 16 as well. And I mean, the schools were, the the kids were so supportive and helpful. And I remember my parents did not let me stay in the house when I was six, you know, I I was a lot lighter then. So they could put me on a wheelchair in my cast that went from my chest to below my feet and had a bar Mm. between my legs to keep my legs uh, stabilized. So they would pick me up. And I, I mean, I was probably 50 pounds at the time or 60 pounds. I don't know how much a six year old weighs, but 
<laughs> but they would put me on a prone wheelchair so I would be flat. And they took me to the zoo. They took me to Detroit <laughs> Tigers baseball games. They took me to the restaurant. They took me to the park. Like I was everywhere. And I, I have photos of my classmates around me. And I mean, what a better way to understand what a kid sometimes has to go through than just seeing your classmate and not being afraid of that and seeing like, oh, Christoph has to have surgery. He didn't fall down yeah. the stairs. He didn't right. get in a car accident. He was born this way. Why? Yeah. It's the way he is. Okay. That's fine. Like kids will accept that stuff so, so much. And I do also have to say beyond my family, my extended family, my, my family, friends, the whole village showed up. It was absolutely incredible. That's amazing. Thank you. Now, uh, uh, you know, now, uh, as we talk about, you know, children, uh, and, and I'm really glad to hear that your, your family was very supportive and, and that your, your classmates and your schoolmates were, were there for you. Um, you, you know, uh, both as a child and, you know, uh, to, to get back, you know, a little bit to the, to the fear topic at hand, um, where, you know, um, at what point in your life did you re did you, did being a little person, uh, you know, uh, click in as an, ah, this is who I am. And, you know, uh, at what point in your life did you start realizing that, oh, there were starting to be people who were starting to treat you a little differently. It sounds like your, your classmates were very like much like, yay, Kristoff here at the stations with the toys. But at what point, <laughs> you know, did that, did that maybe start changing? And did you recognize that change? I think I started to recognize a change around maybe after my surgery, I guess maybe eight or nine, I would say I'm just kind of guessing because my memory is so terrible. <laughs> Yeah, you know, when you're not around your friends or you're at the mall or you're at certain places and you're getting older, maybe 9, 10 or so, and, and kids start to point you out for being different in public places. Like kids you don't know from school, kids that are just out in the wild somewhere. And yeah, that was that was tough to deal with. And I don't know that I was... I don't know that I was great at bringing that up with my parents. Mm. They handled the medical stuff so well, but I don't know. I don't know that I was just, I guess I had a fear of that. I had a fear of just accepting. Well, I know I had a fear of accepting myself down the road because I pushed little people away and I did not want to be associated with little people. I, I knew one little person until I was 30 and I just didn't, I was not comfortable with around little people because I didn't want to have people see us congregate. And I knew that from my youth and in my school and even beyond that, I mean, I still get called out at places now when I go and it's, it's less frequent, but it still happens. And, right. you know, it's, it's not, it's not something that you can just get away from. And yeah. Yeah, I've I've learned that and I, and I think that kind of like makes you toughen your skin in a way that it isn't always good. It is good to have a tough skin, but to have a pat reaction 
or a can like a, a coin reaction for somebody saying something and you can almost when you're around it so much you can almost anticipate what is going to happen right yeah you know and that's one thing that i don't like that it it's done to me i feel like it, i there are times when i just have a reaction and i don't i don't necessarily want to do that yeah sometimes you just want to go out to dinner and be left alone right like you know <laughs> well <laughs> Now that said, you know, uh, uh, Christoph, you you are you are a Hollywood actor, so you know, sometimes <laughs> going out to dinner, uh, you know, and being left alone is just not possible when that happens. <laughs> yeah, right. Our line of work. Now, uh, uh, now speaking of um, Christoph, uh, you know, we so on this podcast we're we're using the term "little people," "little person" a lot. Is is that the correct terminology or? Yeah, well, oh God, I hope it's the right terminology. <laughs> oh no, oh no. <laughs> uh, so but, yeah, yeah. So I, I love that you bring this up because this is a great question. And um, so this one, I I answer this question in a way that seems like it should be totally obvious, but I just say this to get people to think. But the the correct terminology is somebody's name. Yeah. You know, that's the best way to refer to someone is, is to say, Hey, Jeff, Hey, Daniel, you know, Hey, Christoph, this is the best, this is the best way. If you go to describe, you know, Christoph is a person that has dwarfism or Christoph is someone who happens to be a little person or Christoph is someone who is a dwarf. Like those, those are fine. Short stature is also a, mm -hmm. a PC, I guess. Um, I don't know. PC is such a weird thing to 100%. me because yeah. it's, I, I, I brought this up on my show that it's the intent that's m malicious. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I even totally believe that because I think the choice of words is also very important and yeah, words are powerful, right? Like, and it's not being politically correct. It's uh, treating another person with human decency. Yeah, it's more of the correct term. Exactly, wow. and but I will say that the term "midget" is offensive. That is, yeah, if you use that to describe someone, that is using an offensive pejorative term. But you know, little people, myself included, the majority of us, if if someone says, "Hey, are you a midget?" or that was really like crazy, or I saw another midget today, or something like that, and if I can engage with them and say, "Hey, actually," that's the wrong way. That's an offensive way to describe a person. You know, that's, that's not okay. And there's a teachable moment there myself and the other people that I'm not going to speak for everyone, but you know, a lot of people have said they will get beyond that because mm -hmm. someone is open to learning the correct way and the correct terms. And, you know, that's fine. We make mistakes. If, I describe this to you and you keep calling me midget over and over again. It becomes yeah. a little bit harder for me uh, to accept the way that you are treating people. Yeah. We actually, we've talked about things, um, terms on different episodes as well. And it's very similar to people who have different pronouns. Um, if you're using the they, them pronoun, um, a lot of people, if, if you use the wrong pronoun, we'll use that as a teachable moment and be like, oh, actually, I go by they, them. Um, and then you create that conversation. 
but like you said it's when it keeps happening over and over and over again it's about respect right it's about being like this person does not want to be called that i don't really care what you don't want to be called if you are not okay with that term then i won't call you it <laughs> like yeah and I, and i think we're getting to it's always an evolving threshold right you know there's mm. there's just been things that have been said you know i had a conversation with somebody um because i i was surfing with this individual and they wanted to you know talk some more <clears throat> excuse me and we had a conversation and you know, he, he wanted to know about my condition. And I said, Oh, well, I'm, I'm a dwarf, you know, I'm a little person. And he's like, you're not a dwarf, Christoph. And I was like, well, yes, I, I have a dwarfism. That's the condition, you know, a part mm-hmm. of the condition that I have. He's like, no, don't say that about yourself. You're not a, you're not a dwarf. And I'm like, well, I, I, I ain't like, I think I know yeah. that you're trying to like, protect me or compliment me or you know yeah. not be offensive but you know it's okay to say some stuff like i we're we're all friends here but like at the same time like you don't get to control like what i am too you know <laughs> absolutely that is, yeah that that is a really great perspective really great point you know i think um you, you know it, it seems like 2020 and it's, it's happened far too late, but we're all learning, you know, uh, uh, lots of teachable moments. You know, I, I think that this year it's about, um, in general, you know, holding space for people and learning their experiences and, and you know, um, and also not trying to fix problems for people. Um, you know, it's like, it's like um, uh, you know, being a friend being an ally like it's so like it's it's a it's can be hard to navigate and so i think for for people who who are in conversations with you know uh with with yourself or or with people dealing with you know with racism or or uh you know transphobia homophobia other things you know in general um i think that it's it's imperative to to be able to you know just like this sit listen learn and 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 support yeah that's a that's a try fact <laughs> Sorry. And, and and i i totally agree with i agree with that 100 as well because it's and that goes back to my intent thought it's you know if i don't think you have to be so PC all the time if you don't have this intent of offending someone and you can mm-hmm. learn from that and say okay the next time I want to say this I don't need to say it this way I can say it a better way that includes these people instead of excluding them yeah in a way uh, the term politically correct is actually a disadvantage because people glob onto that term and be like "Ooh, someone needs to be all politically correct and it's like well no i just want you to be a human being and just treat treat people with decency that, i don't necessarily care about pc culture putting a bow on that just call them your, their name you know like, yeah exactly yeah like they they are their name and also you know who what that person identifies with or their condition or disability or race or gender or whatever whatever it is like that doesn't define them and so i'm still learning that myself i had a conversation with someone who opened my eyes to saying you know this is a person who happens to be 
or this is a person who happens to have. And, you know, in quick conversations with friends of mine who are little people, I, you know, stuff is shorthand and we just like rattle stuff off sometimes, but Mm -hmm. that's not the most sensitive way, especially when you branch out of, you know, your boys club or, you know, your, your, your close knit click. And it's important to, it's important to realize when those times are and, and, um, you know, make sure that you, you take them seriously. Yeah. That's why I like to, when, when people introduce me, I like them to say is Jeff Porter and he happens to be a podcaster. It's much, (laughs) it's much more better. He happens to be in a relationship with a microphone. Yeah. A very intimate one. Where's the diamond encrusted microphone? Did you return it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wait, did you Uh, find the receipt? I listened to that episode. um, (laughs) Let let me just say that, uh, you know, I've, I got real big buyer's remorse. Yeah. Um, uh, and I had to do one of those. Oh, you know, uh, I uh, it came diamond encrusted. I wanted ruby encrusted. You're going to have to take it back. Uh, I he, had a, he had a choice between paying rent or uh, having his microphone. <laughs> now, uh, now, speaking of podcasts and speaking of uh, conversations with little people, Kristoff, uh, you know, uh, uh, I'm. I uh, want you to share with us a little bit more about your podcast uh, called I'm Kind of a Big Deal. Um, yeah, well, what inspired you to create this podcast and, and what is it all about? Yes, we are talking about a podcast on a podcast. It's <laughs> all full circle. I love it. Full circle. Um, yeah, I was encouraged by a friend of mine who was in the music scene with me in Detroit and she we had reconnected and she knew about a number of my crazy jobs in Hollywood and then also touring with a rock band. We still and need to talk. We still need to talk about these things, Jeff. I There's know. so much that we need to talk about. I love it. There's so much. So, yes, so she, she encouraged, and she's actually the co-host on the first five episodes of my show, I believe. Um, right. And she's like, you need to talk about your life because your life is so crazy and it's been so nuts and um i had i was pretty slow to get it started i i I had some stage fright with putting a podcast out there you get in your head you start to think about what is everybody gonna say how are they gonna like this are they not gonna nobody's gonna like this why am i putting this out there and I, i i finally got up the the guts to put it out there and i showed it to some friends and some friends of mine who are little people they said to me why do I identify with your story so much? Why have I felt the exact same way? This is crazy. Like, I love that you're talking about this. And then the light bulb went off and I'm like, this isn't my story. This is all these people's stories. I need to, because it's my story is whatever it is. And it'll come out, you know, I get to talk about me when I'm on a show like yours, but on my show, I want to share other people and, and they're so incredible. They're so cool. Like one of my guests is a, a four foot tall silver medalist from the Paralympics in Rio de Janeiro. Another guy. Uh, what? I yeah, love it. Another guy is Peter Dinklage's stunt double on movies. Another person is my mom. Another person <laughs> um, is a insanely talented pianist who's also the CFO of his company and he's 
three foot eight inches tall and survived wow. back surgery for an 88 degree curvature of his spine. Jeez. So, wow. I mean, these, these people are mind bogglingly talented and driven and headstrong and, and just they're smart people who have been through hell, you know, they've, they've been through mm -hmm. the worst of it socially, medically. And I, I think when you go through that, it changes you and it makes you a different person and it gives you this different experience that needs to be shared because all that stuff that is so fearful in all of those situations, you know, people have overcome that. And if they have, you know, you shouldn't be afraid of us because we have short limbs. I think that's, mm -hmm. it's, you should be embracing these people because of their personalities and their strength and their wit and their per just who they are. And that, and that's what I love about, that's what I love about my show and, and, and getting it out there. And I think it's so necessary because as I mentioned before with kids, you know, if a kid, if a child doesn't have the, the prejudgment programmed in and they don't have the, the narrative that it's, it's different, therefore it's funny and lesser than, and my defense mechanism is to make fun of it and put it down and push it away kids will just accept me us kids are just mm -hmm. like wait a minute why and then like a couple more of that those and then and like a couple of descriptions of like i can't describe it any better than i was born like this and i had to have operations to correct you know problems that i had yeah okay cool yeah. let's play let's play like <laughs> I, I i've taught drums to kids and it it's over in five minutes, like the, the awkwardness or any sort of, any sort of thing that you have to navigate with kids and dwarfism. It's, it goes away so quickly. And then the next week it's like all drumming, all drumming. Yeah. Everything else is drumming. You know, it's, there's no, there's no other issue. So I wonder where we lose that. Like where as an adult, do we, do people, stop asking those questions or stop being understanding. I think there are, I think there are situations that just weren't handled with care in mm. people's lives and they leave marks, you know, just like I remember when somebody has made fun of me, it's the same thing that gets perpetuated in a, a kid's experience when they are told, you know, I can't explain this. So don't experience it. I can't explain yeah. it. So I have to take you away from it, you know? And right. I'm not a psychologist. Uh, don't, <laughs> I, I can't give medical advice at all. Um, but you know, it, from what I see, it's, it's 100% learned and it's, it's a, it's a reaction. And when you don't know how to react to it, you do what comes easiest to you, I think. Which is to avoid it. Yeah, or I, I just find it fascinating that like the the people in the um with the waitress that would like run away oh. and have this this fear and not even wanting to get to know the person and that's one of the reasons I really wanted to do this episode too is because it is an actual 
fear it has well there's a lot of stupid things that have phobias attached to the end of it um but this is not one that, spiders though not spiders, not spiders. arachnophobia <laughs> that's real. a real fear we would never judge you for that daniel <laughs> i feel that the the fear of of little people is is just prejudice um and it's just ridiculous that just the way somebody was born uh could be a fear of another person uh interesting fact uh lindsay lohan uh has that fear and Hmm. she apparently will not work with people who are little people Hmm. yeah interesting what yeah lindsay if you are listening call in uh to our hotline (laughs) we want to talk um yeah you need to do a movie with Kristoff. no no that said uh, uh I would I, I would watch that. I I'd would watch that for sure. Uh, now I, I say we shoot with spiders in Australia and bring Daniel along. Oh, just Jeff, everyone's getting over. I'm <laughs> in. <laughs> now, you know, uh, but now with that, you know, um, now, for example, you know, even uh, so, we we did do a fear of spiders episode, and I learned a lot, and I'm slowly. It seems like my fear of spiders is slowly, you know. It's still here. It's still here. But, um, you know, for for prejudices and intolerance, you know, uh, they they say that, you know, education is is one of the, the strongest things that can help that. Uh, Christoph, do you feel the do you feel that with, you know, uh, being a little person and with with people who have a fear or who may want to not interact with you or, or interact with, with little people. Yeah. What, what are your thoughts on that? Education is huge. Um, I, I'm learning that all of the words that I want to use to help normalize little people begin with the letter E. <laughs> so it's education, experience, exposure, entertainment, because I don't think learning about us should be boring. You know, it shouldn't be this like, well, there is a little person and this is the structure of a little person. It's like <laughs> we have so much wit and comedy and personality and sadness. And, you know, I think there's it's got to be I, I think it should be fun to get to know a little person. You know, there's there should be this energy Um <laughs> I agree. I agree. And, you know, uh, uh, I love that. Um, uh, oh, the, the ease that that's fantastic. Now, but before I continue on my random thought, Christoph, have you ever done public speaking on, on your experiences? I have not yet, but it is, it, that's something I want to do. Yes. That has, uh, because I think you would be a fantastic speaker. You, Thank you, you so got much. the fear of science stamp of approval. Uh, you'll endorse your public speaking i i love it i love it i will take that and run with it absolutely uh speaking of entertainment you know i i think that is a a really great point and i love that is a great segue to exploring you know uh uh you know as well as being an an educator and thank you for being here and educating us on your experiences Uh, you are also a fantastic varied entertainer um you have worked as a tv producer uh you you are a drummer uh you have wow you you have opened for iggy pop motion city soundtrack my chemical romance okay go some of my favorite bands uh and you know you toured the united states you toured europe 
And uh, not, as well as being a drummer, you are also an actor. Uh, you've worked on a, a variety of shows. Uh, you know, just going quickly going through some of your, your IMDb uh, resume, you know, you've been on Twin Peaks. You've been on uh, uh, Fresh Off the Boat, uh, Jimmy Kimmel Live. Like, wow, uh, I, I love it. Now, what, what drove you to, to do this? And, and apologies if this is going to sound like a layperson, but, you know, um, you, you know, uh, a little person being a drummer or being an actor? Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> I, I loved punk rock growing up and i i feel like that's how so many musicians and actors stories start i don't know why punk rock is like where it <laughs> but i loved you know pennywise and bad religion and oh, yeah. uh, operation ivy and just i i would just eat all that stuff up and that also i i learned of those bands because of my love of surf and skate culture and so oh, yeah. It was all this counterculture that was there and my the easiest way for me to access it year round, I guess, uh, because you can't skateboard in Michigan in the wintertime. Um, <laughs> I grew up that attitude. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you could snowboard, but that was I didn't ever like the cold, you know, it's just not 100%. my thing. Um, yeah. And so but drumming. I could play that when it was winter and I just fell in love with learning how to play drums. And it was, if there was a difficult day, if I had a difficult day, I could take out aggression on the drums. I could also learn to play the drums and have those successes of learning exercises and patterns and beats and songs and have band rehearsal with my, with my friends and, you know, write songs and try to play Nirvana and fail at it mm-hmm. really badly. And so I just, I, I loved all of that. And I went to college and I played some music in college. And then when I got out of school, I, I, I graduated with a degree in audio and video production and the market was so terrible for my field. When I graduated, um, I started working at a restaurant as a host and I was just, I'm like, is this, what life is i don't this is this doesn't seem like it and i made a pact with myself that you know i would actually i asked myself if i turn 40 and i don't try to play music will i be upset with myself and the answer was yes (laughs) so i woke up every morning and i practiced my butt off on the practice pad and then would you know play drums every day and that just it, it got me started playing like crappy gigs and then there was the band that started in 2003 i think just on a whim and we took off and we put in so much work wow being in a rock band doing it the way that we did is a 40 to 80 hour a week job if you're not on the road because we did everything ourselves from writing the songs you know, doing the rehearsals, recording the albums. We paid for everything ourselves. We bought a van. We, you know, we worked our tails off. And then, you know, it ended up that we were on the road for two weeks, three weeks, five weeks, eight weeks, and we're going to Europe and, you know, all of these experiences and and you just make this network. And it's, it's a beautiful thing because 
there's so many contacts and there's so many things that come from your blood, sweat and tears, you know, and gasoline and, um, just chugging along and chipping away. And I had so much fun that that band was, was incredible. And then it got to the point where I I wasn't making a living and I needed to make a living. And also I, I, it was time for me to, to leave the band. And so I made the decision that it was time to go and I wanted to leave Michigan too. And I decided that Southern California was it. And so I moved to Southern California without, with the intention of still playing drums and getting back out on the road and getting in a band and touring again, because that's what I loved. That's who I was after six years of that's what Christoph does. It's right. T- so, so, so to clarify, you moved to uh, Southern California, uh, Hollywood, you moved to Los Angeles. Yes. So you moved, so you moved to Los Angeles, Hollywood to pursue music. Yeah. Yeah. That, <laughs> okay. That was, Just wanted that was, to make sure. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I came here to play music and then after a month I ended up getting an acting agent. I, That's I didn't awesome. get, I didn't get a job and, you know, so I hung myself off the cliff and, and was just like hustling every day, checking Craigslist, looking for jobs. What is the next thing? Calling every person I know, going to lunch with every person I know, asking them like five times, can I meet you for a coffee? And then finally getting coffee with them and just. Your, your drive and your hustle is, uh, uh, it's palpable through the microphone. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and I love it. And also, I'm feeling like I'm not doing enough with my own life right now. It's fascinating. Uh, the, but yeah. the, the decompression still needs to occur because I, I, I'm still, you know, I'm still chugging away at, at something. Um, whatever, I'm, whatever I have started or tried to do has not hit completely and so there's still work to be done um and and yeah and i i had some good fortune and some you know some right place right time also you know you put enough effort in and the magic happens and i started acting and i got a i got an amazing job on a film for pretty much my first job um i was the stand-in for a cgi alien character on a show called paul written and yeah one of my favorite movies that's in yeah so paul they hired me um simon simon peg and nick i love that you guys know this film it's a fun (laughs) film it's crazy um and my first day on the job Simon and, and Nick came up to me and they, they shook my hand and said, thank you so much for being on the, on this job with us. We're excited to spend three months with you. And I'm like, what? <laughs> you guys are so nice. They were the, they were the kindest people oh. to be around. It was uh, one of the best summers of my entire life. I, made, I like to hear that because I love both of them so yeah, much. Every single person on that film, I, I, you know, I, I've had a couple incredible experiences working on a film and that one is still, it, it, it's, it's, it's so far up there. It's, it's incredible. That, that movie was amazing. And I have, you know, best friends to this day from that movie on top of, you know, making a good living and being taken care of and being respected and in, in a, in a great way on that film. It was such an incredible experience. And you were voiced by Vancouver local Seth Rogen. Yeah. 
Amazing. I got to meet him at the, they invited me to the, the premiere, which they did not have to do. But again, these people were so kind and uh, I came out and I, I saw Seth and I tapped him on the shoulder and he turned around and he's like, Paul. And it was so amazing <laughs> to me that, that he saw me and said that. Cause I was like, cause I never, I had never seen him on set before because he did everything post. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Post All shooting. The voice stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. So one thing I was going to ask um, is that what is it like to be a little person in the acting world? Um, I know Daniel and I have talked uh, many times about since Daniel's an actor being typecast as the, the Asian dad, Hi. Um, <laughs> good old Asian dad, Daniel. Um, I'd imagine it must be even crazier being a little person uh, trying to get a role. I, I've, I've worked in this industry for 11 years or so. And I, I'm pretty resilient but I'm I'm getting a little bit I, I'm getting more than a little bit tired of the typecast and the mm-hmm. the consistency of roles that want to cover up my face, um, that right. want to put me in full foam, and and you know don't want to have me be seen or want me to animate some crazy character. I mean, the last thing that I did on Jimmy Kimmel this year, I was in a Twinkie costume escorting a 2000 pound dairy cow onto the set of Jimmy Kimmel and walking that dairy cow down Hollywood Boulevard as well. So like that is awesome and fun and crazy. I got to do that. I got, I got photos. Oh, what? I think the cow's name was Freckles. Amazing. Um, <laughs> oh, man, I want to meet a cow named Freckles. That, yeah. <laughs> Freckles the cow needs to be a kid's book. She was <laughs> yes, we need to discuss that later. That's a great idea. Yeah. I love that. Um, and, you know, to get to do those jobs is so cool. To only be called for those jobs yeah. is exhausting. Right. Yeah. I mean, Twin Peaks... I'll, I'll toot my horn. Twin Peaks was the the coolest job I've done. And I'm in the least amount of makeup. I have terribly disfigured teeth and a couple of zits on my face. Right. But wow. uh, yeah, you were on uh, uh, the 2017, 2017 series of Correct. Twin Peaks. The return. Uh, and, and you played, uh, who did you portray? Ike the, Ike the Spike Stadler. Wow, nice. that is that is a great character name and great character. Wow, thank you. Um, I I mean, yeah, yeah I, I'm so honored to have been. I'm so honored to be a brutal murderer on the show, <laughs> and to be you know directed by David Lynch and absorbed into that family. It's 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 just so cool. Yeah, I I remember um, a couple years ago. Um, I'm a big Doctor Who fan. Um, and there was an episode of Doctor Who with um, with a new Doctor with uh, Jodie Whittaker, Jody Whittaker, yeah. Um, and uh, there was a little person as a scientist um, on the show. And I remember as soon as that little person showed up, I was like, "Please don't make a big deal of her being a little person." And uh, and luckily, the entire episode it had nothing to do with her being a little person. I love it. It was just a little person playing a scientist role, I, and I think that's what we need to have more of. Is just like 
just because the person's a little person doesn't necessarily mean that's the entire story. Absolutely. And, and just recently, you know, there progress is happening. It's not, you know, the ball isn't rolling under its own volition, but a friend of mine Mm -hmm. just sent me um, a video of an Amazon commercial holiday Amazon commercial. And there's a little person at a house party being a person. And yeah. I'm like, this is oh. amazing. I'm, I'm like, this is so cool that this happened. Cause that's the first time I've ever seen a little person in a commercial. Who's just a person I've seen. Yeah. There Thank was you. a Jack wow. in the box commercial with three little people playing like little business people. And okay. It's their faces, but the, the joke is, you know, splayed out in front of you. And it's like, all right, get it. Like it's a tiny chicken sandwich. Got it. And I'd imagine it must be like a a bit of a double-edged sword too, because you, you know, you want to get those rolls. You want to keep acting. It's your bread and butter. Um, Yeah. But like, you you know, you can only play an elf or a mascot so many times to just like, you know, I'm, I'm not this. This is not who I am. And it's like kind of demoralizing, right? It is for sure. But I mean, I, I would love to do both. You know, I want to, I want to be, I want to be the guy or, or like, it doesn't have to be me. It can be this woman who was in a commercial or any one of my friends. Like, I don't care at this point, you know, choose one of us and just put us in (laughs) a regular situation or keep putting us in a regular situation and, and stop, you know, gratifying these elf roles i had friends that worked there was like 12 friends of mine that worked as 12 elves on a car commercial a year or two ago and all right they all made good money but dang like it's just Mm -hmm. more elves and right Mm -hmm. uh now uh uh you know i i I like the way that you 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 said it uh it's you know put put us put put little people, uh, you know, um, in, in normal roles and normal situations, because, because little people are, are living normal situations, are living lives, are, are, you know, um, are in our community, are successful athletes and, and business people and, you know, uh, and representation, right? Yes. Like, uh, as, uh, it leads to to more stigma, right? Like it leads to to people thinking that all little people are elves, or that all little people are what they see on television, because that's all they have been exposed to, and you know that's not cool. Yeah, and and that goes both ways. You know, if a little person sees an elf on a a little person playing an elf, you know, there is a part of the brain in in me anyway that says like. Oh, there's an elf job out there. I wonder if I could get paid to do an elf job. Like I could do an mm-hmm. elf job. And then that just perpetuates that. Same goes for average height folks. They're like, oh, there's an elf. Yeah, awesome. Hey, we should get an elf for something. Like, let's do that. Yeah. Instead of like, oh, there's a woman at a house party. Whoa. There's a woman yeah. at a house party. Maybe the next time I see that little person at the grocery store, I should just say hello. Yeah. Maybe I could right. say hi and say like, "Hey, I hope you're having a good day because it's nice to see you again." Yeah, very well yeah. said. Absolutely. You know, I mean, it's it's. I think it's just very simple, and 
simple things are hard for people sometimes. And I get it because I've, I find simple things difficult too, but (laughs) you know, somebody has to be brave at some point, you know? And, and I love talking about this stuff because if, if you guys don't ask the questions, I don't get any better at answering the questions. And this is just the cycle that continues to happen. You know, I'm going to be awkward about talking about myself or other people that I know if, if, if nobody asks or nobody feels, if it doesn't feel like it's uh, receptive or, or somebody is, isn't listening to it. But, you know, if there's people being inquisitive and wanting to know, dang, I want to talk. Let's talk. Mm-hmm. We've already been talking yeah. for a while and this is great. I know. Oh, this has been such a great episode. Yeah. Um, yeah. And this was one of those, we've had this episode on our list to do since I think day one. That's when amazing. When we first brainstormed ideas. And, uh, and then it's just been like, well, I don't, I don't know a little person. <laughs> like, I don't know I how it. to even go about finding someone who's a little person to be on the show. And so I'm so glad that this worked out. I think as well, it's, it's, uh, everybody has a story, right? Like, and, and you just have to, it's up to you to, to listen to that story and to understand people who might not be the same as you, or maybe they are the same as you. Just everybody has had a different path in life and i think the more you can learn from other people the better of a person you can be yeah and it took me so long to figure that out i mean i always at least it took me so long to accept that with little people and that might be i don't i don't know what that discussion is completely because it i I wanted to push away little people for so long and i also didn't accept myself fully because i want I wanted to be normal. I didn't want to be seen as different. I wanted to be Mm -hmm. seen as someone who could do everything and play on the basketball team and not accept myself as a little person in, in certain ways, but that's really dangerous. You know, that's that just, it kind of set me back a few years and probably a few relationships too, that I wasn't comfortable enough to, to just, accept the people around me and accept who I was and just say like, all right, these are, this is the way it is. And I have to be me and you have to accept me for me. And that confidence has to be honored within me, you know? And, um, that, that takes a while for some people and, you know, including myself. Right. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And you know, it's a journey, right? Like it's, yeah. You know, uh, you're always growing, you're always changing. And uh, yeah, I, I love conversations like this where where we can just meet new people from different walks of life and be able to share it on the podcast. This is And, awesome. you know, Christoph, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, thank you for for sharing your journey with us. Uh, and I, I, you know, you, you mentioned that, you know, for for a long time for yourself, you know, you were trying to do everything and prove that you can do everything and anything that you wanted to. Well, uh, you know, uh, you are a, a accomplished drummer. You are an actor. You're a podcaster. You are uh, you are a, a champion athlete. Uh, you know, uh, I'm really hopeful that you know our listeners and other people continue you know listening to your podcast, getting to know you. Uh, you know 
and your stories and to other little people's stories and to from there extrapolate and hopefully you know open their minds to and their hearts to other people because again that's uh that's what we gotta do yeah exactly and and i i love that you guys are so approachable with this fears topic because i think it is really important to talk about this and i i've listened to a number of your episodes and i find them entertaining and interesting and and silly and important you know like you've had some what is it the fear of zombies like that was hilarious i love that episode episode. one um yeah that was so great and um that was that was seriously funny thank you (laughs) and it was but it, it was great and you guys just have a great personality and i i really appreciate you know you having me on yeah and thank you for being on um, with that, uh, with that boast to our confidence there, uh, I think that's the perfect time to wrap up this episode. Yes. Now <laughs> for, uh, uh, for our listeners who are wanting to know more about you, Christoph, uh, where can they find you, uh, on the internet and, uh, on the socials? Absolutely. So you can find my podcast on all of the podcast platforms. It's called I'm kind of a big deal. Um, you can also find me on Instagram at Big Deal Pod, and that's the same on Facebook at Big Deal Pod. And please reach out, say hello. Um, there, I have a Patreon too, uh, so I'm just starting yeah. to get a little bit of support for the show, and every little nice. bit helps. Um, tell your friends, you know, and if you see a little person, say hello. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. And uh, Jeff, for for us, where can our listeners learn more about uh, Fear of Science and what we're doing? You can find us on the social medias at at Science Fears on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. (laughs) We did it. What's the other one? Uh, (laughs) And also, we have a Patreon as well if you'd like to support us that way. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Uh, everyone, thank you so much for listening. We hope that you are uh, staying safe and staying well and, and taking care of each other. And uh, just like every other episode, thank you very much for listening. And we look forward to chatting with you again soon.